Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. All right, well, good morning, church. Turn your Bible to Acts chapter 16. And um, I have this, I want to say it's an ability but I don't know what else to call it. I just, I can love wherever I am. Like I can love wherever I live. If I'd live somewhere, I love it, all right? I grew up in a small town called the Tascadero. Um, if you know it, that's awesome. Like, I love you. Like we should talk about, because we're probably the only people that do. Um, <laughs> me and the other, you know, 20,000 people that live there. Um, but it is, it is on the Central Coast, California, somewhere near the coast, uh, but really a little more inland. Um, a beautiful, I loved that city as I lived there. I got to actually be the junior high director at the church I grew up in there. Um, and then from a Tascadero, from this little 20,000, and just so you guys know, Central Coast, like once you pass like, I don't even know, like Thousand Oaks really, uh, there's only one freeway like that I know of, all right? So my whole life, I only grew up with one freeway called the 101, and it would go north and south. And I didn't know anything else, all right? If I got real crazy, there was the five that was about an hour and a half away and I might get on that, all right? So I moved from little town, Tascadero to the city called Whittier, California. And all right, a little white boy just like hanging out, all right? And then all of a sudden I was in Whittier and I was a youth pastor and it went, I loved being in Whittier. It was so much fun. Like I still have like students and friends that were in Whittier with me. I'd like recently in the last year got to go to, um, uh, had the privilege to, to attend one of the uh, my students' grandfather's funerals. Who was just a great man of God, and I and I and I went there, and it was just like it was just like I had never left, and I got to see all these people I hadn't seen in in thirty years, or not thirty years. I'm only thirty six. What am I talking about? Like the. Uh, 15 years, 16, you know, however long it was when I was there. Um, and it was just this amazing, amazing time just to be together. And I loved living in Whittier. And then I moved from Whittier to the city called Santa Maria, which is kind of by Santa Barbara. And I lived there and I loved Santa Maria. And it was kind of like the mix between Whittier and Atascadero. And I found all my friends that, that were there and I just loved living there. And then I moved from there to three years ago, I moved here to Corona and Norco. And, and, and I know it's exactly three years. It was March like second. And then like seven days later, the the, the whole world shut down, okay, on a, on a Thursday. That was real fun. So as long as COVID's been here, I have been here, which seems like forever, and it seemed like it just happened, all right? So however you want to put that, that's, and I have loved living in Corona Norco. Like, I love that the different, um, just all the, I, you know what I love most? I'm going to be very honest. I love that places are open past eight. Like, that is the most fun thing like to know that like I can get food and not have to like dig in my freezer to eat okay I love that I love I love all the different cultures and the different ethnicities that 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 I get to be surrounded with and I get to meet and all that kind of stuff like it's so much fun and I really can love wherever I live I love even living in California which some of you are like how could you love living here I'm telling you man I love not plowing my my house out of the snow like I love that I love not doing something that's a great thing okay and so and so like I look at that snow and I just I pray for them and I'm like oh that just seems so horrible I'm gonna go outside in, in the 70 degree heat in the middle of winter this is amazing you know what I mean like I love living in California I love being close to the beach I love that I can drive an hour and either be at the beach or in the mountains isn't that amazing like to be able to to do that in California like it's just one of these things do I love everything about California no but I would say that about anywhere right like there's just some things that I'm just like man I know how to love wherever I live I love of course I love living here in America like this this really is just the most amazing place to live, right? Like we have all these freedoms and these rights and 
and these things that we can do, we can be people, we can go, we can move places and we don't have to check if it's okay. We can do all these things in America because, because people sacrifice their life for us to have these rights, right? Like they sacrifice their own lives for us to have rights. We have the right to fair trials. We have the right to own land. We have all of these rights that other places do not get. We have the right to be here today and I don't have to worry about someone coming in and arresting me. Um, I, I have all these, these rights that I just have and then I have some rights that I feel like I should have, right? That happened in my own household. <laughs> that I'm, I'm telling you, they're being thwarted, okay? They're being taken from me. And I don't want to cause a revolution in my own household, but it's getting close. Me and the dogs, man, we're about to... And, and one of them actually involves a dog. I just recently got a puppy and, and I felt like I had the right to sleep. And my puppy did not feel like we had the same right, okay? He felt like he had the right to wake me up and to go outside. And, uh, and I have been, because, well, for a couple of things. One, I don't want to clean up a mess in a crate. And two, because I want my puppy to be happy, I will give up my right to sleep to go take him out, right? And it's like, it's been cold in the mornings, right? Has it not been? And like, I'm out there in like my slip-on sandals and just in a sweater and shorts. And I'm just like, please, Jesus, make me warm. Like, take, like I don't even know. I'm just, but I'm sitting there. I'm like, buddy, you got to go. Like, we got to get back inside. I'm, I'm about to lose a toe right here. Um, <laughs> And I feel like I have the right though, right? I have the right to sleep. I feel, and every dad in here who has kids between the ages of three and 10 will understand what I'm talking about. I feel like I have the right to not get jumped every time I sit down on the couch. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that every time I sit down and I get comfortable, I feel like I have the right to that comfort. And my daughters, God bless them. I love them so much. They feel like it's their right to pile drive me in the face when I'm not looking and to choke hold me. And they don't understand that they will choke, like they don't understand like not breathing yet. I don't know like how, but they will just, and I'm like, and, and you're in like the thing like, all right, like I can't cry in front of my kids, but this really hurts, right? Like it's like this really weird place, but I feel like I have the right. Shouldn't I have the right? I pay the, the, the rent. I, I do everything for them. I feel like I should have the right to sit down and just relax. And they feel like I don't have that right. They feel like it's their right to beat me up. And then, you know, as, as a dad, what do I want to do? I want to give my, my daughters a great experience. I also need to teach them who's in charge. So I beat them both up at the same time and I sit on them and it's all good. Like, it's fine. But it's, but it's because I love them that even though I want to sit and do nothing and just watch, you know, the football game today or watch a TV show or watch whatever, even though, even though it is my right to do so, I love my kids so much that I'd be willing to give up that right so that we can wrestle and we can play and you know we can do crazy hand or keepy uppy or whatever bluey tv show thing that I have to figure out how to play next like whatever that is I will do that for my children right like I will give up what I consider my right to sit and do nothing because I love my kids so much and as a Christian in this room we claim to love our father beyond anything else. And yet it is difficult for us sometimes because we have so many rights, it is difficult for us to comprehend the fact that he might ask us to give up those rights to follow his will. And that's what I wanna talk about today because Acts chapter 16 outlines a couple different times where people or a person will give up their right 
to be in the Father's will, usually not just for that person, but so that someone else can hear the gospel. So that's what I want to talk about today. So could you bow your head, close your eyes, and then we're going to get started. Father, God, number one, we just want you to move. Father, I pray that if there's someone in here today who is struggling with their faith, that God, they'd hear a a confirming voice. God, if they're struggling where they're supposed to go, God, I pray they'd hear that Holy Spirit confirming in them what to do. God, I pray for those in here who are not Christians. God, they're just checking it out. They're just trying to see if this is something they wanna do. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself so much to them that all they would want to do is to fall back in love or fall in love for the first time with who you are and what you are to them. In your name we pray, amen. So go ahead, go to Acts chapter 16. I'm gonna set it up really quick. I'm not gonna talk about everything in Acts chapter 15, but I'm gonna talk about one or two very important things that happen. So a lot of stuff happens in Acts chapter 15, but one of the major things that happens is that these two guys named Paul and Barnabas are going to argue in front of everyone that Gentile people, so people that are not Jewish, not fully Jewish, that they do not have to be circumcised in order to be saved, right? I'm gonna say circumcised like 13 times today, okay? So if you don't know what that is, ask your dad and he'll let you know. Um, but that was a big point of contention in the first, in the early church because Judaism brought forth Christianity. Judaism brought forth who Jesus was. So in those leaders' minds, they were like, okay, so now everybody has to follow our rules, including being circumcised. And Paul and Barnabas had done all these travels and they're like, I'm telling you guys, people are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. People are getting filled and speaking in tongues. People are, are finding Jesus as their savior and they're not even close to being, to being a part of our religion, our, our Jewish culture. So we believe that it is God's, that God has given us the okay to say to these Gentile believers, you do not have to be circumcised in order to have the fulfillment of Jesus Christ within you and they lay out this great argument and everybody accepts it and every Gentile believer in that room was shouting especially the men were shouting and screaming amen at that at that argument all right that was a debate they were very happy with the outcome okay so that was Paul and Barnabas together they were they were arguing for this right now Paul and Barnabas just so you guys know even people in the Bible have disagreements okay and Paul and Barnabas have a big disagreement Barnabas wants to take this guy named John Mark on the next trip with them. And Paul is like, homie, this sucker like left us the last time. Like, there's no way I'm taking this guy. I put that in context. He probably didn't say it like that, but I'm gonna, that's how I, he said it in my mind. And he said, no way, man, this guy is not coming with us. He ditched us the last time. He's no good. It's a burden to take him. I'm not going with him. And Barnabas being kind of the, the older one, was like, no, no, we need to take them. And in fact, Barnabas was kind of right because Mark ends up writing the gospel of Mark more than likely. And so it was, it was a good pickup. In fact, just so you know, just in case you have a problem with someone in church right now and you see, you're poking your wife saying, that's, that's why it's okay for us to have problems. They never even talk, they split up. Paul and Barnabas at the very end of Acts will, will get together and they make amends. And so don't use the scripture to justify your own arguments. It's not okay. Um, but at this moment in time, They decide, all right, Barnabas, you're going to go your way, and Paul is going to go his own way. So now Paul has to put together a new traveling party, a new, a new, have some new companions. So he has Silas, and then he hears about this kid named Timothy. And that's who we're going to read about first. So go to chapter 16. We're going to read verses 1, 2, and 3. 
It says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra and to a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. So just from that context, the, the author Luke is telling you that he is not circumcised. That's why he's telling you his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra. And Paul wanted this man to go with him. Now, I just want to stop right there. And I want to set up like Timothy's mindset, okay? He's excited about going, speak well of him. And then there's this like guy who's doing some amazing work named Paul. And he probably looks up to Paul a little bit. And he finds out that Paul knows about the good things that people have said about him. And then he just heard Paul the other day argue that he doesn't have to be circumcised. So Timothy is like on cloud nine. He is like, dude, I don't have to get circumcised. I'm gonna be able to go with Paul on this journey. This is gonna be amazing. And he has the meeting with Paul and the interview apparently goes really well. So Timothy must've just been on cloud nine. He's like, dude, everything's coming up Timothy right now let's just keep reading just just one more little sentence Paul wanted this man to go with him and so he took him and he circumcised him like I just want to know what that conversation was like like that's like the last like that's like the last thing they told you in the interview right like Timothy answered all the questions right he's stoked he like he's like dude I got this job I'm I'm rolling with Paul and Paul's like, all right, man, we're all good. Pack your bags. Oh, one more thing. Just, just a little thing right here. You're gonna have to get circumcised. Now, did you catch at the very end? Why? Because of the Jews who were in those parts for they all knew his father was a Greek. So Paul's conversation more than likely went something like this. Hey, Timothy, I want you to go with me. In fact, I feel like you should go with me. But here's the deal, Timothy. We're about to go somewhere. We're about to go into a place where the Jewish people know who you are and they know you're not circumcised. And they will not listen to you unless you do this. And even though this has nothing to do with your salvation, Tim, I want you to be circumcised, not for you, but for them. Not because it's gonna be, not because you need to, not because it matters to your salvation, because I feel God wants you to come with me and they won't listen to you unless you do this. Are you gonna do this? And Timothy, I mean, unless, unless the scripture is just giving me this wrong impression of Tim and they actually had to like strap him down. They're like, you're coming with us, which just doesn't, doesn't say anything like that. So, so it just, it's okay to just think, okay, Timothy must have just said, okay, let's do it. Timothy, in fact, gave up his physical right to comfort so that someone else could hear the gospel it had nothing to do with with if timothy was a believer or not it had nothing to do with timothy being roped into to salvation they had just argued the chapter before that that was not necessary but for timothy to be effective he needed to give up his physical right his physical right to comfort his physical right to whatever and he needed to say i am willing to lay down my own my own comfortableness my own idea of what pain is the idea that this isn't even right i am willing to lay that all aside so that they can hear the gospel he said, my body, it don't want to do it. I'm, I don't want to do this. That's what my body is telling me. But I'm willing to submit my body to the Lord so that I can be effective to move in his will. Do you know how important that is for us as Americans to hear today? 
because we in our culture and it's seeped in to the church we feel like our physical well-being how our how our body feels how our mind thinks what feels good to us we feel like that should be king well that doesn't feel right so it just must not be right well, that doesn't sound right, so it just must not be right. Well, I don't really feel like this, so that must not be true. And that is what we have kind of tricked ourselves into believing. That how our body feels, therefore, determines which way we go. Do you know who the king is in that scenario? The body. My body now determines what I do, how I look, what I am. My body now determines everything that I want. If I have, my body yearns for something, I need to fulfill that yearning because it's only right. It's only natural. In fact, we try to use some God things. Well, God wouldn't have made me like that. And I'm telling you that there is a part of the Christian discipleship that tells you, hey, listen, your body is not in charge. Do you know that's like the, the idea of fasting, right? Fasting is the idea that you are hungry. Your stomach, your body yearns for food and you tell your stomach, it is not the king. I will not eat because you are no longer in charge. It's such a basic like, thing about our bodies that it needs food and it does. I don't, don't get me wrong. And if you struggle with an eating disorder, fasting might not be the way for you to, to do this. But I'm telling you, for those of us in here that have just, every time our body yearns for something, I'm telling you, just look at how we fast or how we don't. If I'm hungry, then I want it and I go and I get it and I just think it's all right. It's fine. But every time we, we give in to that flesh, every time we do that, it's not, I'm not trying to say every time you're hungry, you're of the devil. Like, please don't hear that. Don't be weird, okay? But I am saying this. If God has called you to fasting, if he has called you to fasting and to prayer, one of the reasons it's effective is you have stopped making your body the king and you have started to come into the communion with the real king. And your body is no longer being a distraction because now you are no longer focused on, well, I'm hungry and I need to fix it. You say, no, I'm hungry and I need you, Father. And that's the point of fasting is to bring you back into that communion with the Father. It's to bring you back into that place at such a basic level of eating that says, hey, listen, can you tell your own body no? And can you start listening to what the Father, the true King is trying to tell you? God will at some point in your life as a Christian will ask you to get physically uncomfortable. Whether that's fasting whether that's approaching someone with, it, with, with the gospel, whether that's giving of your time or of your energy to go serve somewhere that you felt God has called you to and you just cannot figure out how you're gonna have the energy or the time, whether that's with your family because your wife's love language is quality time and you're just like, I don't have that. I can't give that to her. I just, I just have other things I gotta get done and that's gonna be uncomfortable for you to let go of some of those things and minister to your wife. Whatever the case is, God will call you sometimes to physical discomfort, not even for your own benefit, but for someone else's but are you willing to give up that right are you willing to give up that right because Christians he has called us to that he is going to call you to step out of your comfort zone every once in a while and to speak about something that's been on your heart and he's going to fill in the gaps you don't got to worry about that part but he's going to need you to get a little bit uncomfortable so that the gospel can be preached now Timothy does it 
I don't know if he had to think a day. I don't know. I would have taken a couple days. I'd be like, let me pray about it. Um, but he does it. They get the traveling party together. There's Paul, there's Silas, there's Timothy. And at some point, the author of Acts joins them. So if you don't know, the author of Acts, the actual book of Acts, is a man named Luke. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. So this is like the sequel, okay? He wrote the Gospel, then he's going to write about the Acts of the Apostles. And sometimes Luke writes down the story from like what the people tell him, and sometimes he's there. It's like sometimes he, he joins the traveling party. And at this point, you're going to see that he shows up. So go ahead, go to Acts 16, and we're just going to go just a couple verses down, go to verse 6. So they're all together. They get it all, they get it all together. And they start traveling. It says they pass through, by the way, if any of you speak Hebrew or Greek, like you're going to hear me butcher some, some cities right now and you can judge me all you want. I don't care. So we're going to go with it. All right. We're going to go with that word being Fregan. Okay. It's probably not right. Don't judge me, but that's what we're going to say. They pass through Fregan and Galatian region having been forbidden, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. I want you, if you have your, uh, uh, a pen or something. I want you to, to underline forbidden by the Holy Spirit. And after they came to Masia, they were trying to go into Bithynia and the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Masia, they came to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man in Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, can you imagine being a part of this, of this traveling party? And you're just like, guys, we are going here. This is where we're heading off. And they start traveling, they start going, and they get there, and who stops them? Holy Spirit. Was it, was it the government or anything else like that? Was it lack of funds? No, the Holy Spirit. So what do they do? Then they start traveling this way. We're like, hey, we're going here, guys. No worries, we're going here. And who stops them again? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, stops them right here. So then they're like, all right, we're going to go here. And they go, to a, they go to a different area. And when they're there, then Paul gets a vision to go to a different place, to go to Macedonia. And so everybody's like, all right, I guess we're going to Macedonia. And they start traveling. At some point, you think one of them was like, dude, do you know where you're going right now? Are you kidding me? Do I need to download maps for you? Okay, Google Maps on this sucker, right? I made this thing like, who here remembers the Thomas Guide? Like, go ahead, raise your hand. Yes, yes. Oh, all the over 40s. Perfect. Yes. No, God bless you. Hey, listen, I'm telling you right now, you are, you are like, you might as well be Lewis and Clark to me because I would have, if you gave me a Thomas guide and said, you need to, I'd just be like, I guess I'm going to stay. Like, this is where I'll be for the rest of my life. I don't know where we're going. This is, this is horrible. Uh, if Siri is not telling me where to turn, I'm done. Like, this is, this is over. Uh, so God bless you, Thomas guide people. I, I think you're amazing. I don't know how your brain works. Um, but can you just imagine these guys, like, they're just like, dude, where are we going? And they have purpose, they have a passion, they have people that, need, that they need to reach. There is nothing about what they are doing that seems wrong, except this, except the Holy Spirit has not permitted them. And so they move, they see, they know it's not, boom, they go somewhere else. They see, no, boom, go somewhere else, boom, until they end up where they're supposed to be. And I think a lot of us have been there, right? Where we're in that season, we're just like, where God are you trying to, trying to take me? Now, this is what happens. I believe there's two different people that handle this wrong and that Paul and his traveling party handle it in the most balanced way that you can. 
Number one, if you're a person that is like, you're just driven, you're just like, man, I'm a driven person. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna get there no matter what. And you are gonna be that person that when the Holy Spirit stops you, you're gonna call it, man, that's just an obstacle in my way to overcome. That's what you're gonna tell yourself. And you're gonna power through whatever the Holy Spirit's trying to do to stop you. And you're gonna get to where you wanted to go. But do you know who's guiding you? It's not the Holy Spirit. That's a little thing we call pride. That pride has now driven you to go somewhere that you have not been released to go yet. And you're gonna end up there and yeah, you're gonna have more square footage in your house and you might have more money in your bank account and you might have better schools or whatever the case is, but the Lord has not released you. So it doesn't matter what that house or whatever looks like. If you're not within his will, it's never gonna be comfortable because you're gonna be always kind of yearning. Your soul is gonna, your soul is gonna yearn to go back to his will. And you're gonna like not know why because you were driven by pride. You were like, I gotta get there. So you can delete the Zillow app, some of you. You're good, right? You're fine, wherever you are. You don't need to go anywhere, you're good. And then you have people over here and you use this blockage of the Holy Spirit. You use this stopping of the Holy Spirit as a great excuse to not do anything. The Lord stopped me, so I now I just need to pause. I just need some me time. I just need to take some time. I need to pray about where I'm gonna go. And you've been praying for 15 years. Do you notice that Paul and his traveling party never stopped? Did you see that? They went somewhere, they couldn't go, they went somewhere else. They couldn't go, they went somewhere else. They couldn't go, they got a vision, now they're going somewhere else. They never stopped moving. A pastor told me a long time ago, he said, Charlie, God can never guide a missile on the launch pad, only one that's lifted off. For those of you who are sitting and you're just like, I'm just in the waiting period. I'm just waiting until God releases me to go serve or to go do this or go do that. I'm just gonna wait and pray for confirmation. I'm telling you, just move. Because confirmation a lot of times comes within the travel. And you might end up somewhere and he moves you over here and you might end up there and moves you over there. That's totally fine. But Paul and Silas and the traveling party, they give up their directional rights to the Holy Spirit. They don't have pride and they are not scared. They do not want to be lazy. They want to do something. But they are willing to let the Holy Spirit guide them. And when he blocks somewhere, they're cool with it. They're not upset. They're not angry. They're not prideful. They just say, all right, it's not there. We got to go this way. They don't argue about why it makes sense that they should go there. They just move. They don't keep moving and say, this is ridiculous. How come, let's just stop. They just say, we're just going to keep moving until the Lord brings us somewhere. And he does. And that's where some of you need to be right now. You need to give up your directional right to the Father, the right to go where you want to go, the right to be who you want to be. College student here, you have been so determined since you were a freshman in high school to go to that certain college that you haven't even given God a thought about where he'd want you to go. I made the joke about Zillow, but some of you have been so focused on getting out of California, you haven't even given God a thought about whether that's okay or not. 
And we need to start giving up our directional rights to the Father so that we can be in his will. And do you know what happens when he finally tells us? Man, the most amazing thing happens to the traveling party. They show up in Macedonia. So they all get on a ship and they cross over this, this huge body of water and they show up. And as soon as they land, like it seems like as soon as they land, people start getting saved. Like Lydia, she's this wealthy, um, wealthy lady who deals with purple cloth. She gets saved. Her whole family gets saved. So she's like the richest of the rich. And then down here, there's this slave girl that, is, that has a spirit in her. And she predicts people's futures and her slave owners use her to make money because she predicts their future. They pay on the whole thing, right? So Paul gets so annoyed with this little girl, this little slave girl that's following him. And she keeps telling everybody, these people are men of God. These people are men of God. Paul gets like annoyed and he's like, spirit come out of her. And he, and he casts a spirit out of her, delivers her. And now she can't predict the future. So her owners get upset because now they're not making any money. So do you know what they do? They grab Paul and Silas they rip off their cloaks and they beat them with rods. And they're beating them and they're beating them. Then once they're done, they're like, all right, let's throw them in prison. And they talk to the jailer. And that's what we're going to pick up. Verse 24. They talk to the jailer. Verse 24. And he, and the he being the jailer, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came an earthquake so that the foundations of the prison of the house were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains unfastened. Now this is what I wanna show you. One, I need to skip ahead just a little bit and let you know that Paul and Silas are Roman citizens. They have Roman citizenry paper. And at any moment when they are arrested and taken and beaten, they can claim being a Roman citizen and everything will stop. Do you know why? Because as a Roman citizen, being tried and persecuted without a trial, no trial, so not tried, just persecuted without a trial, anybody who participated in that would be punishable by death. And at any moment, they can stop everything. And then they're thrown into the inner prison. And, and just so you get the, a good context of what this means, like the prisons back in those days, they had like different levels, right? And so there's different levels, different, probably easier to escape in the outer levels, but the inner, you can't escape from there. And not only are they thrown into the place where the worst of the worst criminals go, they're then locked in stocks. And you think of stocks and maybe you think of those wooden things and you just hang like this, but, but jailers back then would lock you in the most uncomfortable uh, places because they wanted to inflict the most amount of torture. So this jailer takes these men who are Roman citizens. He doesn't know it yet. And anytime they can claim their freedom, but they choose to be silent. He locks them in the inner prison, up in the stocks, just in pain, with feces and urine all around them. And at any moment they can say, we are these people. We are Roman citizens. We, deter we demand to be freed. But instead, do you know what they do? Instead of whining, they worship. Instead of whining, they worship because for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit has instructed Paul and Silas to not say who they are yet. They will later, but not yet. And while they're worshiping, did you pick up who was listening? The other prisoners. It says right there in, uh, in, verse, um, in verse 24, 25. It says, singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening to them. They're taking notice of what's happening. And it says, then the doors fling open, a great earthquake, their chains fall off, all the prison doors are open and everybody runs out because God freed them. Do you think that's what happened? No. 
Read on. It says, when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So Paul and Silas at any moment can say we're Roman citizens, but they choose to be silent. They worship. And then the doors fling open. A supernatural earthquake comes and everything, all the doors are open, all the chains are gone. Now Paul and Silas are right there. They can run out, they can be free, but they don't. They stay. Why? Why do they stay? What's the point? They stay for the jailer. They know that if they leave, that jailer will kill himself. They know that if they were to walk out right there, if everything were to be gone, that jailer who took away their freedom, who would seem, it wouldn't seem like great judgment, like God did what he was supposed to do. If, if it was like, and I left and the jailer had to kill himself and we became victorious. Doesn't that make sense in our brains? But in Paul and Silas being driven by the Holy Spirit, being into the Father's will said, no, 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 no. We have freedom, but we will not walk out because I want that jailer to know what real freedom's like. See, the jailer thought locking him in stocks and locking him in the inner prison cell would be fine. They'll never get out. I'll take away their freedom. But Paul and Silas knew that you can put as many chains as you want on us. We can't be captive anymore because we found what real freedom was like. We found it in Jesus Christ. And they believed in that freedom so much that they would stay and give up their right to freedom so that a jailer could be saved. So that the jailer who locked them in could find what real freedom was all about. Man. Man, can you just imagine being in prison knowing you could say one word and you felt the Holy Spirit say, not yet. Then seeing the prison doors just ring wide open and your chains fall off and you had a clear path to freedom and God saying not yet God saying this isn't really about you right now it's going to be about him it's going to be about that guy right there it's going to be about him knowing what real freedom is you're already free they put you in chains that's not a big deal that guy needs to know what real freedom is like are you willing to give up your right to walk out of here so that he can be saved man that's why Christianity isn't for the weak or the lazy or anything like that. It's for us who are called to be strong and courageous and even in moments where it can be tempting to just take back our rights that we freely give them up so that we can be in his will. In fact, I would say this. If I was gonna like conclude this whole chapter, it would be like this, that life change can only happen when we give up our rights and we give in to the Holy Spirit. Life change in your family, in your friends, in your neighbor, in your coworker, and people you haven't even met who are just listening to you, who are just watching you as you sit in a prison cell, seeing if you're gonna get yourself out or seeing what your response will be. They're watching you. They're listening to you. Do you notice that none of the prisoners left? They took Paul and Silas's lead. They said, hey, if those guys aren't leaving, I'm not leaving. That's what I want for you. I want you to have the ability to speak into people's lives and you don't even know they're watching you yet just by simply obeying the Holy Spirit. 
Now later, Paul and Silas reveal they're Roman citizens. They'll have to be escorted out by the magistrates, like the top people. And I just imagine Paul being like, what? Like, do you know what I mean? Like that's in my flesh, that's what he was doing. But do you know why he even did that? Do you know why he had the magistrates come and escort them out? Because they wanted to get him out quietly. He said, oh, no, 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 no. They're gonna come get me. Do you know why? Because he wanted the gospel to be loud. He didn't wanna be shoved away quietly. He was like, no, 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 you come get me. This has gotta be loud. This has gotta be known. This has gotta be bold. I want people to know what happened here today. Not for you to hush me away but it's gonna take you and you and you to, to give up your rights and give in to the Holy Spirit so life change can happen in the people that are surrounded in your life. Man, I want that so bad for our church. And it's gonna take us all together grabbing a hold of that to see revival happen in the city of Corona and Norco and in Riverside and Harupa Valley and Inland Empire and California, whatever the case is, that's what it's gonna take for these things to happen. Can you bow your head, close your eyes with me? Maybe you're here today and you hear me talk about giving up your rights and freedoms and all that kind of stuff. And you've had your rights. You've done your own thing. You've been your own king. You've been your own queen. And today you're like, I want to experience true freedom. I want to know and I want to fall into the kingship of the father. I want Jesus to be the king of my life. And you want to accept him as that king, as that savior today. Can you do me a favor? Can you just, as you're sitting there with every head bowed, every eyes closed, I'm going to do my best to see everybody with my not great eyes. Can you just look up at me? If you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior today, just look up at me. Doesn't have to be a big old thing. Okay, go ahead, bow your heads. So I'm going to have everybody pray this prayer out loud. Father, be the king of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I know that you've accepted me. I know that you love me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Comfort me. Convict me. Allow me to serve you all the days of my life. If you said that prayer today, I am so stoked for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd bring on them your words. I pray you'd pour out on them right now. I pray they'd feel your peace and your comfort. I feel they'd hear the, the, the encouraging voice that can only come from the Holy Spirit. We thank you so much. In your name we pray, amen. Can everybody else stand up with me? Repeat after me. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church and make me into a generous person like you. Guys, God bless. We'll see you guys next week. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.